is the Down East EM Podcast. Okay, hello everybody and welcome back to the Down East EM Podcast and our discussion today about the COVID-19 vaccine. Before we dive in, there are two disclaimers related to this podcast and topic. The first is that I am not an infectious disease doctor. I have not worked in immunology or any of that area, uh, the world of vaccine production, etc. I am an emergency medicine provider, giving you information as I understand it. And the second disclaimer is that in order to get this information out to you as we make very important decisions in the next several days to weeks, this has not undergone our typical peer review process that we do at Down East. So with that in mind, let's dive in. So we're going to be talking about the SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 vaccine or vaccines in a couple of regards. We're going to talk about mRNA vaccines, and we're going to talk about the Pfizer phase three data that came out just yesterday, December 10th, 2020. Let's dive in. So as we start to think about whether or not we're going to be a recipient of one of these two vaccines, the Pfizer, the Moderna vaccine, we have to think a little bit about are we ready to be a recipient of this vaccine? Do we feel safe and comfortable with it? In doing so, we have to kind of understand how vaccines work, how this vaccine might be a little bit different. And from there, we can make an educated decision about whether or not we ourselves want to be a recipient of the vaccine. And we're talking here about all of us, right? I, I imagine our audience is going to be anyone that's a frontline provider. It could be EMS, could be emergency medicine techs, nurses, physicians, physicians, assistants, anyone who could benefit from this, we're hoping that we're giving you some information to make an informed decision for yourself. So how do vaccines work? How have they been considered in the past? Generally, we take a piece of a pathogen. A pathogen is anything that infects our body. It can be bacteria, uh, fungus, virus, parasite, but really right now we're talking about viruses. A vaccine to a virus we are generally taking part of that virus and injecting ourselves with a small fragment of it so that our body rec recognizes this fragment, makes an immune response to it in the form of antibodies through B cells and T cells that have memory to the pathogen so that when we encounter that virus, that pathogen in real life, we already have immunity. We see it, we fight it, we kill it, no infection. The way that this has been done in the past is usually with some part of the virus itself. As an example, in the past, we have used live attenuated viruses. These are viruses that are still technically viable in their own right, but they have been weakened so that they are not really able to cause a serious infection in us. We inject ourselves with some of that and we become immune to that disease. Examples of this would be things like measles or mumps, chickenpox, things like that. We all have had these vaccinations with live attenuated viruses, or many of us have. Another form is an inactivated virus. An inactivated virus is basically the whole virus, but it's been killed with usually some type of chemical or exposure to heat. And then we inject the killed virus into our body. Our body recognizes it makes the immune response. An example of this would be polio. And then other variations of this would be essentially pieces of viruses that we're injecting that are from the surface, viral vectors, pieces or chunks that we're taking of the virus and injecting ourselves with so that we make an immune response. Examples in this category would be Hep B, HPV, etc. Now, how is this different? 
Now we're talking about our vaccines from Moderna or Pfizer being mRNA. Now, rather than being the protein, which all of the above that we just talked about are, they're protein or pieces of the actual virus, we're taking some encoding for the virus and injecting ourselves with that. So we have to go back very briefly and kind of understand how our body and how these proteins are made. Generally in our cells, we all have DNA in the nucleus and it encodes for all the things that we need for our cells, for our body to function. The DNA will unzip. It will make sort of a copy, if you will, of the DNA in the form of RNA, which then goes out of the nucleus to our little protein making factories called ribosomes, which uses the RNA to make the protein that we need. And that's how our body functions normally. If you've learned this and remember it, you know that viruses themselves are missing many of the pieces that a living human or other cell has to function and relies on kind of stealing these components to reproduce itself. So when we're infected with viruses, they will inject some of their their content into our cells and then hijack our ribosomes to make replicas of themselves, sometimes to the point where that cell actually explodes with many, many replicas of the virus, which go on to do the same thing again and again until our immunity kicks in and fights it off. So that's the kind of natural use of DNA and RNA by us and by viruses. So the next question we have to ask ourselves is, how does this come into play into our vaccine and what is an mRNA vaccine? So what they're doing here is rather than mass producing large quantities of protein from the COVID-19 virus, they are mass producing the mRNA that codes for the spike protein on COVID-19. The spike protein are all those little projections that you see in all of the pictures on the news and everywhere else of the virus or viron itself, all those little projections off of the COVID-19 viron, those are the spike proteins. And what they've done is been able to create an mRNA, which is that secondary blueprint we just talked about, which codes for the spike protein. They wrap that in a lipid or fat molecule and inject that into our bodies. What it does is goes into our bodies. The mRNA actually enters into our cell, much in the way that the virus injects its genetic material, like we talked about a moment ago, goes into our cells to our ribosomes and our ribosomes, those little protein factories are going to make the spike protein injected out into circulation so that our immune system can recognize it, see it as foreign and make an immune response. So that's how the mRNA vaccine works. It is different than most of the vaccines that we know about. And we'll get into that in a second and that we're not injecting protein of the viron or of the virus or the pathogen into our body. We're injecting the mRNA, which codes for some of that protein and using some of our cell to make the protein and then have the immune reaction. That is different, certainly, but it's actually not that different from the way that a virus itself works. And this includes all of the viruses that we know about, right? Including COVID, but also including the ones that cause the common cold, the adenoviruses, the rhinoviruses, the ones that we encounter routinely do the same process of injecting genetic material or RNA into our cells, using our ribosomes to make protein and replicating that self. So understanding the mRNA vaccine, several questions come up. One, does the 
vaccine or the mRNA enter into your cells? As we discussed, yes, it does. It goes into our cells to our ribosomes and makes protein, makes the spike protein more specifically. Does the vaccine enter into our nucleus or into our DNA or can it damage our DNA? No. Our cells have very tightly configured what can go into and what can come out of our nucleus. And the mRNA, it's a one-way street, right? Our DNA unzips, makes mRNA, which goes out of the nucleus into the ribosome. But that's there is no back and forth. RNA cannot go into the nucleus. It cannot encode or get incorporated into our DNA or alter or damage our DNA in any way. The next questions we have to ask are, is this a new idea? Are mRNA vaccines new? Is this completely novel? And the answer to that question is no. The idea for the mRNA vaccine and trials regarding mRNA vaccines have been around for a while, between a decade and two decades. As an example of that, there is some you know, phase one study data results for a rabies mRNA vaccine that was published in Lancet in 2017, which we'll include in our show notes just as a reference. So people have recognized the idea of an mRNA vaccine and have actually have been studying them for some time now. The next important question, a very important question for me then was, if the idea for the mRNA vaccine has been around for a while, why are there not other vaccines out that are mRNA vaccines that are being used in clinical practice? Why are we seeing it for the first time now? And probably the most direct answer to that is their fragility, for lack of a better term. mRNA does not have a lot of hardiness. It breaks down very quickly and very easily. And for that reason, it makes for a relatively difficult vaccine as we're seeing in the sub-zero storage temperatures for the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. The mRNA needs to be protected. It's being kept in a lipid capsule, as we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. And it's very, very delicate and breaks down easily, which collectively, if you think about it, is not a great substrate or mechanism for creating a vaccine because it needs to be transported in trucks and vehicles. And if we're trying to get it to third world countries, refrigeration, storage, and freezing, it's all going to affect the quality and efficacy of the vaccine that we're trying to get to our end population. So why have we not seen mRNA vaccines in the past before now? Probably for that reason, because of their fragility. And then finally, we have to ask ourselves, are mRNA vaccines safe? Is the COVID-19 vaccine, more specifically, is that safe? And generally speaking, the answer to that is going to be yes. And now we can really enter into part two of our discussion, which is the discussion of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. 